Hey guys, uh, before we start the podcast, there's something we want you to do, uh, me and Reese. We want you to go follow our sports page for this podcast. It's called the Hoops and Buckets Pod. That's uh, all in lowercase letters and no spaces. It's on uh, it's on Instagram, so just go follow it, share with your friends. It's exactly what we do on this podcast, bringing you all the NBA's news, signings, trades, plus uh, much more, all of that. It's just uh, a great way for us to continue growing what we're trying to do here, um, and there'll be another reminder to do it. So if you're an idiot and you didn't go follow it now, about halfway through the podcast, maybe not even that little bit towards the end, we're going to tell you to go follow it. So don't be an idiot, do it now, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Hoops and Buckets podcast. As usual, I'm joined by Reese Sullivan. And it has been a pretty hectic week um, in the NBA from the last two weeks, sorry, from the last time we had our podcast. uh, And COVID-19 is claiming the NBA is its victims. James Harden's been traded to Brooklyn. We'll dive into all of that uh, very soon. So, Reese, thanks for coming on the podcast and let's get this thing started. Yeah, I can't wait to to get into this. It's always a pleasure to be here, Sean. And you're right, it has been an absolute jam-packed fortnight uh, for the basketball community. So... There's a lot of stuff we have to get through. We should get started pretty quickly. 100%. Uh, let's start with James Harden. He has been traded to the Brooklyn Nets. All those rumours, uh, one of them has finally come to fruition. It was a massive four-team trade that saw Jarrett Allen and Torian, P- Torian Prince traded to the Cavaliers. Uh, Caius Levert has been sent to Indiana. And Victor Oladipo becomes a Rocket. Uh, but not, not well, for now, he's a, a Houston Rocket. Um, but he is reportedly angling um, for a move to the Miami Heat before the March 21st trade deadline. Um, and the Rockets also got a bunch of uh, draft picks. Look, that trade, I just, it's one of those trades that out of all the, I think for me, out of all the rumors that you had, you know, Harden going to Philly, Harden going to Miami, Harden going to Brooklyn, um, you know, there were so many of them. Probably that one of him going to to Brooklyn, um, or him or the one of him going to Miami, they were the two that I just didn't see happening. And for them to you know wake up one day and look and find out James Harden is actually in Brooklyn, it just hit me on the head. I think on paper they're the the best big three the league has ever seen, um, but only time will Ooh. tell. I <laughs> and I, I'll get we'll get into that later on uh, with the big three things. But for me, the trade was a weird one. I thought um, after Dinwiddie tore his ACL, I thought, all right, that's it. That's can't get hard. Yeah. I thought, you know, there's no way they trade. Obviously, with the Paul George trade, the Clippers sent six picks to OKC. But the Clippers did that because they were not only getting Paul George, but they were also making sure they got Kawhi Leonard. Mm. I thought there was no way the Nets send more than five picks for um, Harden, but they end up sending seven, plus Houston picked up another Milwaukee pick from Cleveland. So, and and, and you got to remember, Houston was quite low on, on picks. I yep, they sent four to OKC for Westbrook. Yeah. And then when they traded Westbrook to Washington, they were only able to get one pick back. So... They were they were in a deficit of picks. They also sent a pick away 
to Minnesota for Robert Covington and got a they did get a pick back from Portland, but you know. I think that, you know, you talked about it being a bit of a weird trade. It's definitely something to note for looking at that Brooklyn Nets roster. Without Spencer Dinwiddie, um, he's out with, in, with injury for the whole season. Then we've got no Torian Prince, no Jared Allen, no Chase LeVert. That was three of their biggest uh, players off the bench. And and then obviously Dinwiddie being a six-man slash um, shooting guard starter. Look, for me, they they yes, they've got that big three. And, and you see with big threes that that it's the, all the big three, all, they've got the star players, you know, but then the bench, mm. has, it's only got that one sort of key role player and that's well, it. Well, you know, you know, I'll just pause you for a sec. You know what this reminds me of yeah. in terms of like team construction? Yeah. The 2011 Miami Heat where you had LeBron James, uh, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, all at the peak of their powers, all playing in the elite level. But then the only notable role player on that team was Mario Chalmers. Everyone else was kind of, you know, a bit part. They hadn't really played at the NBA level before and they were just brought on to bring depth. You know, you had these... There were some, like, veterans, like Mike Bibby and uh, Drew Silgauskas. But they were past their peak. They were falling off a cliff. And you had a lot of, you know, younger guys who were trying to fill those holes that needed to be filled. And come finals time, Dallas just absolutely picked them apart. Exactly. And, you know, yes, Brooklyn has got – you've obviously got a guy like Jeff Green. He's great. But, you know, he's not that – he's not a real good key role mm. player. But you've got Joe Harris. And once Spencer Dinwiddie comes back next season that, – that, that, Yeah, that will be deadly. And on top of the fact that they could pick up some veteran minimum players still – you know, mm. I could definitely see a couple of players going to Brooklyn. You know, like you had Marcus Gasol and all that go to the Lakers this year. Marcus Gasol, Wesley Matthews, both go to the Lakers. I could definitely see Brooklyn being a contender in that market next offseason. Exactly. And it'll just be very interesting. But, you know, this year they're a very good team, obviously, with that big three. And then they get even better next year. Um, and speaking more quickly more about that, uh, Harden trade, the four-team trade. Philadelphia, they had emerged as a finalist in the Harden deal and were willing to offer Ben Simmons to Houston. But they, there were two reasons that, that they the trade didn't go ahead. They weren't willing to give up Tyrese Maxey, the draft pick um, for the 2021. Sorry, their draft pick that they took this year. And the Rockets owner... Um, he was unwilling to make a deal with the 76ers due to the fallout with Daryl Morey. Um, so two reasons, one being a sh- pretty much a stupid reason in my opinion, and the other being a valid you know, valid reason, not wanting to give up a young player. And I think that's smart for I, Philadelphia because you've seen how successful they've been. So yeah, I mean, you've, it's an interesting one. I don't know how far... Simmons and Embiid as a duo can go. I think Harden and Embiid as a duo would be obviously be much better. But yeah. at the same time, if I'm looking at it from a Rocket standpoint, that deal with Simmons makes more sense because, yes, you get all those draft picks in the Brooklyn deal. Okay, I'm not going to try and say 
that Brooklyn fleeced Houston, okay? But at the same time, the point of getting those draft picks is so you can draft a guy like Harden, so you can draft a superstar, draft someone who's able to make all NBA teams, lead your team deep into the playoffs. Exactly. Ben Simmons, he's only 24. He could be that guy in four or five years. He's a a much safer bet than taking eight or seven draft picks from Brooklyn plus one from Milwaukee, where probably Mm -hmm. four or five of those picks aren't even going to be in the lottery. Exactly. And that's the thing, because people forget with Ben Simmons, he's young. He's still got plenty of time. So there's real no rush in Philadelphia. And it's a a situation, reminds me of the situation Utah are in right now with the signing of um, Rudy Mm. Gobert and just recently with also um, Donovan Mitchell. Mm. So... you know, and you look at that Philadelphia roster and you see how successful they've been and it's because of their role players. Guys like Shake Milton, guys, a young guy like Tyrese Maxey, um, Dwight Howard. You know, there's been plenty of other guys and then you've got um, Tobias Harris. So it's it's a good team that has got a duo and then a lot of great guys around that. And that's the exciting thing, I think, about that uh, Philadelphia team. They've got time and look, you know, and Bede's young as well. And, you know, they, they just, they've got time. So um, I think that was a good, it was a good move by them not to get that deal done for Harden. Um, but moving on now to uh, sort of the COVID-19, it's claiming the NBA is one of its victims. Uh, 13 games have now been postponed. 12 of those have been in the last week alone with today, the OKC versus help me um help me out here race uh it was against the 76ers yeah okc versus 76ers game has been postponed so 12 of those have 12 of those games that have been postponed have come in the last week alone remember the first that 13th game that was postponed was the okc versus houston game at the start of the season um but really covid-19 outbreaks they have racked Numerous teams, most notable, have been Washington, Philadelphia, Minnesota, Boston, and Phoenix, plus Dallas. So, look, it's just been a really tough time. Um, Contractions of the virus have, um, of the virus, and subsequent contact tracing, meaning numerous players can miss up to a week of action, even if they continuously test negative. Um, This also leads to a situation where the Philadelphia uh, 76ers were forced into a match with just seven healthy players. So it's, you know, once that one guy gets tested positive, that's it. You've got to have guys that he was around with. Nearly the whole team has to go into quarantine. Uh, the team that they've played just recently has to go into quarantine. Um, it's a whole big thing. And that and that was the issue and speculation that a lot of people had with the this year, um, this NBA season. You know, we, we're not in the bubble where, you know, we're, we're just in Orlando and no one's allowed in and out. We're traveling, you know, teams are traveling on planes. They're going from plane to hotel to game, then from the game to the plane to the hotel and, and vice versa. They continue that, you know, routine. And still, um, and we know America has been, you know, hit very hard by the COVID, uh, by COVID. Yes, players are still getting, um, you know, positive tests. And it's really just, it's hitting the league hard at the moment. And, as time moves on, it's going to be something that it, it's. I feel we're going to see this is going to come a regularity. You know, we're going to see this is you know games being postponed every second or third day, 
And um, I don't see it not becoming a problem until, A, the vaccine is rolled out. It's being rolled out right now in America. But also, the more players that get it, um, as we know, the less uh, susceptible to COVID-19. But without getting into the whole pandemic, um, really, Reese, I just want, want to sort of hear your thoughts on this. Well, I mean, it's a weird situation to be in because obviously you don't want to have players contracting COVID-19. You know, you're going to have your, you're going to have a bunch of people saying, oh, it's not a deadly disease, especially for, you know, professional athletes. But the reality is, you know, these guys could know people who have serious issues. I mean, JaVale McGee, he's at risk um, with his asthma. So you don't want these guys catching it. And they're not superheroes, you know. I think people think because they're athletes that they're, you know, immune to, you know, the this virus. Somehow. Yeah, I mean, it's not the situation you want to be in, for sure. At the same mm-hmm. time, though, you, know, you almost feel as though... What was I trying to say here? Um, it's inevitable, yeah. And the NBA did plan for this. This is why they didn't release the second half of their schedule. They knew that games would be postponed. They tightened the uh, COVID restrictions, which they have done. And they can go from here. But 13 games being postponed in the first month of the season, I don't think that's what Adam Silver was expecting. And, you know, it's worrying. And I'm I'm sure that they have multiple plans for how to deal with this but it's worrying yeah and and i think you know the the question is you know where do those games that were postponed come to play do you you know hold sort of a, a period of time at the end of the season for those postponed games and that's you know sort of the unknown and the thing that i think worries people so well, it'll definitely you be know, interesting teams to see. like philadelphia who have had all these games postponed mm-hmm. They're going to have a lot more back-to-backs and four and fives in the second half of the season. And in the second half of the season, when your team's fatigued, that's not what you want, and it's and it's through no fault of their own. Um, you know, just unfortunately, it started with Seth Curry being tested positive for COVID, and it's really hit that team hard. Um, but Look, it'll, it'll definitely be interesting. Uh, moving on to some other news now. Uh, Kyrie Irving, he was uh, was made to forfeit $800,000 in his salary after a video emerged of him partying with his family. Uh, this came after he had taken time away from the Nets for personal reasons and cut communication to Steve Nash and the front office. The NBA Twitter now urges that Irving could be issued Sorry, that Irving could be used as a trade bat, trade bait for the new look Nets to gain defensive depth. Um, look, for me, that whole thing—it's just—it's just pretty silly, um, and it sort of ties in. You know, to he's at risk of getting COVID doing that. We all know that. Um, but do we think the the penalty was harsh? Because I think is that eight hundred thousand dollars. Out of his salary, on top of the fifty grand that he was, yeah, on top of the fifty pay. grand fine for breaching COVID restrictions. So that's eight. That's eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and that that is is that harsh. I don't know because 
you got to remember they're filtering in the fact that he was breaching his contract. So that's where the $800,000 comes from. That's three-game salary where he was breaching his contract. That said, it is still a little bit, you know, harsh. Yeah, but he's also earning six figures. Yeah. we got to remember that, you know. It's been six figures what that fine was. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, 800000 like I said, that's only three games. He still has mm-hmm. so, yeah, 69 games. more games to get. To get a massive paycheck <laughs> plus playoff bonuses, which Nass will be getting, you'd assume, and they invited. And incentives and, and, you know, all those other stuff, like two deals. And So I think Kyrie Irving, although he probably would rather to have $800,000 in his bank account, he, he's probably still a little pissed. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just, you know, it's just silly. Um, and a point I wanted to make is when that happened, it was against the Philadelphia... It was the Nets versus Philadelphia game. And that was the game with Seth Curry yeah. coming positive. Exactly. And you start that game, and it was like, okay, Kyrie Irving's out for personal reasons. Okay. And and that was the the day or the day after of the, cap, the attack mm. on the Capitol in America. So I'm thinking Kyrie Irving, you know, he's a guy that definitely uses his platform to stand up for... Uh, you know, worldviews that he believes in and, you know, wasn't judging him. And I, I was, okay, that's, for me, I went, that's just linked to what happened um, in, in America at the Capitol, that attack. Um, and then to find out that it was him having a, you know, party, it, I just, I sort of think that's ridiculous. And then to cut contact with that Steve Nash in the front office, that's also just, you know, I find with Kyrie Irving, he's very radical, you know, with the way he's, like, once he does something, he just sticks to it. Um, and, yeah, so that was very interesting. Uh, speaking of a well, former net player, uh, Kaius, Karis Levert, he had a medical – he'll be out for the whole season. Um, oh, he's another thing he'll be out for the whole season. Or was that just reported today? It was reported a couple of days ago, um, and it was said he was out for the whole I don't season. Think um, I don't think he's out for the so whole I season. I know he's definitely out indefinitely. I don't think he's out yeah. for the whole season, though. I apologize for that, but um, the reason he's out indefinitely is he uh, took an MRI um, and it revealed a lump on his kidney. So, um, uh, you know, uh, thoughts and prayers are definitely with Case Levert there. Uh, he didn't even get to play his first uh, game with Indiana uh, with the Pacers, so definitely a bit of a blow for Case Levert and some more injury news. Uh, Joseph Nurkic breaks his right wrist and is out indefinitely. Um, with Terry Scott already on the hot seat, how will this impact the Blazers? Race? Well, I think it's it's a bit of a weird one because the Blazers, they're the sixth seed in the West right now. You know, they're building a case mm. to be a playoff side. But at the same time, Stotts has fallen out with the Blazers fans because of his defensive sets. Um, multiple times exactly. this season, he's tried to close games out having a power forward center combo of Carmelo Anthony and Enes Cantor. That's not going to win you much defensively, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and a guy like Derek Jones as well. He's not, you know, the most best. Exactly. And Stotts, you know, he's a gr- he is an offensive coach. I wouldn't call him a great offensive coach because some of those sets that he runs in Portland is basically just give Demi a little ball. Uh, look, <laughs> I think he'll be the second coach to go this season. I think Scott Brooks has the first firing spot wrapped up. 
it's a weird one. And, you know, Port Stotts has been around in Portland for a while now. And I'm sure those fans, yeah. when he's fired, because I don't think it's if now, I think it's when, because Portland, they've yeah. had so much playoff chances and they haven't had much success to show for it. So I think he will go. And, well, you know, speaking of go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Speaking about players, coaches' heads to roll and sacked uh, Toronto, co- Toronto Raptors coach Nick Nurse. We know that once it's not working out in Toronto, they've they've been you know they they'll get rid of players if it's not where they want it. You look at Dwayne Casey, you know, um, so could he possibly be going? Um, you know, could he be getting sacked later on this season if success doesn't come that Toronto Raptors way? But that's a, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think Nurse goes um, yet. There's definitely a few coaches. You know, on the firing watch, I think Luke Walton, he's another one from Sacramento. You have to be mm. watching him. Um, Dwayne Casey on Detroit, he That's might go. You know, yeah, I, it's it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see Lloyd Pierce as well out. in Atlanta. He might go too. Mm. It's gonna be well, yeah, definitely. It's gonna be interesting to see how the coaching carousel turns. Exactly. And um, unfortunately, more injury news. It just seems like there's more injury, injury news. Uh, Atlanta shooting guard uh, Bogdan. Um, oh, my God. Bogdan, Bogdan Bogdanovich has an alluvial fracture in his right knee, so he is out. Um, and then Orlando guard Michael Foltz uh, tore his ACL in his left knee against the Cavaliers last Thursday. and He will miss the rest of the season. Uh, Foltz then posted on Insta saying thanks for all the prayers and wishes for him and the adversity will only make him stronger in the end. I thought that was just really a great sort of attitude to have. You know, a lot of guys, after you tear your ACL, it's kind of, oh, is this it for me? Um, and Michael Fultz, we know he suffered the injury in his foot early on in his career. Now with a big injury here with the ACL, um, it's good to see that he's still, you know, got a healthy attitude and mindset um, to that. Thomas Bryant, he will miss um, the season with a torn ACL on his left knee after having pains last Sunday. He then went for an MRI that revealed the injury. Uh, so that's a bit of uh, you know injury news. Sorry, injury news for the which, Washington which Wizards, they didn't need. Who were already struggling. They, they did not need that. And Bryant's and been one of their best players so far this season. You've got obviously Bradley Beal, who's in quarantine right now, but he was amazing to start the season. You know, and then you had Westbrook, who was, you know, even though he was, he wasn't perfect, but he was still like getting triple doubles. He was playing a decent efficiency compared to what we used to from him. And then you had Thomas Bryant, who was playing really well. And it's unfortunate that his year is over now. Exactly. And, and a young player really coming into his own in an exciting roster there in Washington and a team that's been struggling, as you mentioned. Uh, the Boston Celtics uh, all-star Kemba Walker made his return to the NBA today against the New York Knicks. Walker was restricted to 20 minutes. He had nine points, three rebounds, and four assists. But was able to come away with a win. New York prompting a New York a romping romping to a 105 to 75 victory. Da- uh, Dallas star Chris Apazingas. He also returned from injury with averaging 17 points, seven rebounds, and three assists in his three games so far. So that's a bit of a good news for some stars to return to the league there for Boston and for Dallas. And some injury news again to end on. CJ McCollum, he uh, has a left ankle sprain and he's set for an MRI. He left the game 
um, his last game there in Portland. So that's just a blow for a team that are in a bit of a sticky situation. Um, as Reese mentioned, sixth seed in the West, they're building a foundation to make the playoffs. And that's well, double blow with, when you can the fact that Nurkic is out as well. Yeah, definitely. And that's a great point. So um, yeah, the Portland Trailblazers, they just didn't need that. Um, and that is all the news so far in the last fortnight of the NBA. There's been plenty of it. And now we're going to get into recapping the last two weeks and going over the key games, sharing those results, mention the highlight plays from the week, and we'll show the team seedings. Let's start 4th of January, Golden State versus Portland, 137 to 122. Well, Steph Curry, 62 points. New career high, you know. Yep. There was a lot of talk during the week uh, leading up to the game. Damian Lillard versus Steph Curry. Who's the better point guard? Uh, yeah. A lot of people were clowning on both of them for their performances in the lead-up to that game. And Lillard even came out and said something about Steph. I don't remember what he said off the top of his head, but it was kind of a shot at Steph. So then Steph comes out and drops 62. <laughs> that shut him up real quick, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. And I think the respect that they showed each other after that game. Yeah, Lillard, just like, Lillard basically you know, came up and said, yeah, yeah, you got me. You got me. I'll get you next time, yeah, but you like, got me this time. Yeah, like 62. And I love this celebration, Steph Curry, the, like the aeroplane. I, I think I was probably he, in a celebration too. He takes um, it so relaxed. He, like, you look at guys like LeBron James, <laughs> uh, Kevin Garnett, they were Kobe Bryant. They're always locked in when they're playing. They were always locked in. And just spoke if they, yeah. And you got Steph Curry, who you know, you remember when Kevin Durant hit that shot in the 2017 finals, that big three over LeBron in game three. Steph turned around and started twerking on the court in yeah. celebration, exactly. And that's the thing, like, that's why he's such a you know, fun player to watch. He's just he's so relaxed when he's out there, and grab it up a performance of 62 points is something that you know, very few NBA players do. and him to do it in such a relaxed manner just made the whole thing so enjoyable to watch. Um, he had a note to mention the game after that. Mm. He came over 32 points. So he racked up 94 points he's in just two Very games. quietly, um, you know, that's... having a great season so far. He's averaging uh, 28, exactly. 6 and 6. He's having a very good season. Probably not going to be in the MVP race with the way the Warriors are trending. They're currently the eighth seed in the West. But definitely not yeah. anything to laugh at. He's having a great season. He, he's having that season he wants, and he would definitely like to be getting the wins. Uh, so let's move on to the 6th of January. San Antonio versus the Clippers. They came away with a narrow win, 116 to. Yeah, this is just a weird game for the Clippers. Um, decent fourth quarter comeback by the Spurs. The Clippers raced out with a massive third quarter there. They were up 40-22 to 22, uh, in the third quarter alone. But then the Spurs just held them out uh, to get the, th- uh, the three-point win. Deontay Murray, pretty good game, 21 points. Patty Mills, 27 off the bench, 8 of 12 from three, you know. Just one of those games for the Aussie. And then Kawhi played great. 30 exactly. points, 13 of 22 shooting, 10 assists. Just tough tough that he had to lose. He didn't have Paul and George that, for that game, to be fair. Paul George did not dress. Mm, yeah. But still, someone had to lose. 
Shame it was Kawhi. It was just a great game all round. I'm surprised, I'm surprised you're saying that from, from a Lakers fan. But that, if I'm not mistaken, that was the game that Aldridge got the rebound, kicked it out to. Yeah, that's correct. And look, for the three. I'm a Lakers fan. I'll admit that. I don't like the Clippers, but I respect the players on the team, especially <laughs> Kawhi. What he does. Yeah, from a basketball standpoint, you know, the fundamentals, the way he plays, it's what you want to see, what you want to teach the young kids coming through. I respect that. Exactly. You can't you can't call Reese bias. And, yeah, so moving on to the 7th of January, the next day, Philadelphia versus Washington. Um, for Washington, that was just, for me, that was such a great game to watch because Washington played good. Fast tempo, high-scoring game, and they just weren't able to get it done there. And they trailed... Um, sort of late there in the third, and you know they were on their heels, they clutching at their heels, yeah. but they just weren't able to get you know sort of claw back and make a comeback. Philadelphia holding them out there uh, for the win. So Beal, it was first, just a great game to watch. First three quarters um, of the game, just... he drops fifty-seven points and gets them to within yeah. ten. You know, Wizards win the fourth quarter by five points, so they did well. But Beal only dropped three points in the fourth quarter. Exactly, and that was the point. You know, Beal went quiet, and that reminds me of, of, of um, Luka Doncic so, scored. Yeah, he scored like twenty six or something today in the first half. Yeah, and then he came. You know, he came over. Well, I mean, you remember when Kevin Love scored thirty four so. points in the first quarter, and then only finished up on forty. <laughs> it's like that was the best first quarter. You yeah, for, not the best quarter of all time. That belongs to Clay with thirty seven points in the third. Definitely. Um, Dallas versus Denver, 124, 117. Uh, that was another great game. Yeah, just, you uh, know, there's been a lot of great games. This is two young sides duking out. It went to overtime. And Dallas, just too strong in the end for Denver. Luka Doncic, man, this kid is special. 38 points on 13 of 22 shooting, 13 assists, nine rebounds. Did it all without Pazinjas, mind you. This is still with Chris Epps out. Exactly. And then, you know, on the other side, Denver, Jokic. You know, he's playing MVP level so far this season. This game, 38 points, 11 rebounds, only four assists, which by his lofty standards is disappointing. But yeah. what do we do about the Malamari? When the colleague- you know, all that hype in the bubble played so well. I don't- but then here he is shooting 8 of 19 in a, you know, in a big game. And that's the With the break, I think, between the bubble, that hurt some of those guys who were in that great form. And, and just quickly, you know, we've, it's it's tough to see Nikola Jokic going so well, but just not, as a team, not being able to get those close wins. And, you know, that's sort of the difference if you talk about the MVP race. And two guys between Doncic and Jokic that are in that MVP race, the difference is, you know, Dallas, they've been winning those close games. Yes, they've had a fair share of the games that they haven't, but Denver has struggled. They haven't actually won those mm. close games. And so, to be fair, I'll know, just cut you off for really... a second. But to be fair, um, you know, yeah, no, Mike Malone is using these games to sort of get a feel out for his roster. You know, he's trying to integrate Bol Bol in. He's trying to integrate Michael Porter Jr. in. So he is sort of taking yeah. this semi-seriously, but he's not going full you know, okay, these are all must-win games. 
Because there's plenty of games left in this season. Yeah, it's a short and off season. It's 72 games. There's still a lot of basketball games to play. And that's a, a definitely a good point. Um, January the 9th, it was a game that had three great games, we reckon. Detroit got an upset win over Phoenix. Um, it's always good to see a team getting an upset win. Uh, Detroit just really stood up there, got the win 110 to 105 over Phoenix. Uh, and then we had Golden State. They got a win over the Clippers 100. Massive fourth quarter comeback there from the Warriors. Uh, well, they won yeah. the fourth quarter 34-18. So six down heading into the third. They were actually 14 down at half time, And they turned around and win that game. And that shows if you're buying as a team, you know, look what can happen. And definitely a great win for Golden State. Utah versus Milwaukee, 131 to 118 win. Utah Giannis, a good win Just there. quickly, Giannis um, absolutely sunned Rudy Gobert that game. And Utah still came away with a win. That shows, <laughs> you know, the overall class of this Jazz I, team when they are all playing well. I saw this sort of, uh, I was posted on Instagram, um, you know, this is the guy that you paid so much money for or was this is the guy that won the defensive yeah, this is the guy that is a two-time defensive player of the year. It was just a bunch of video montage of him getting dunked he, on Rudy Gobert. So I can't fault him for getting dunked on because that means he's in a position to make the play, but he's just not able to, you know, get beat yeah. the attacker. Sometimes good offense does beat good defense. There's also been a lot of times where a player has thought they're able to go up for an uncontested uh, jam and then Gobert seemingly comes out of nowhere and just knocks the ball out. Yeah, good defense. Also, mm. he beats good offense. So, and that um, was weird because these are, you know, two of the um, best defensive teams in the league. <laughs> and they're out here having a 39-38 third quarter race. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know... Such a high scoring game for a team that, you know, prides on two teams that prides themselves on defense, as you mentioned there. So definitely interesting. Phoenix versus Indiana on the 10th of January, 125 to uh, 117. Look, I've been surprised with the way Indiana's played there. Phoenix getting the win. A little bit inconsistent though, Phoenix, but definitely a good game for them. Uh, the 12th of January had Portland versus Toronto um, in a close win, 112 to yeah, sure. This was kind of like, obviously, Toronto, they haven't had the season they were hoping to have this year. Uh, but this was sort mm-hmm. of the game that just broke broke every Raptors fan, man. With with Pascal Siakam, you know. Yeah, last, it always last, sucks to lose by shot. one. You know, taking a look at the Raptors yeah. box score, it's kind of hard to see, like, who let them down because... You know, Siakam dropped 22 points on 53% shooting. Van Vliet was a bit inefficient, to be fair. But when he was on the court, they didn't play too bad. He only finished with a minus two. Norman Powell was doing bits off the bench. Mm. Uh, But then this is just a case of a team playing well, but their opposition just plays better. CJ McCullough and Damian Lillard going off 53 points combined, both shooting above 50%. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, you know, you're not going to lose many games when Melo's chipping in 20 points off the bench. Exactly. And it's it can be really demoralizing for a team, you know, 
as you said, they've been playing good basketball, but their opponents have just been that little bit better. And, you know, you ask yourself every time you lose, or what could have I done better? What yeah. could have, as a team, we have done better? And when you're playing well and you're not getting the win, it, it's hard because then, you know, a lot of headspace, you know, a lot of head noise, sorry. So definitely Toronto just, you know, in that spot where, it's it's just a tough time for them right now. Um, and the Lakers versus the Rockets, sorry, uh, on the 13th of January, a big win for the Lakers, 117 to 100. Well, this is the game uh, that started the Harden rumors pretty much because after this game, Harden came down to the press yeah. conference and said the Rockets just weren't good enough and they couldn't be fixed. Yeah, and, um, and that's something basically we'll this game... It was a little, you know, that was where LeBron hit the corner three, turned around before the ball even went in. When LeBron starts doing that, you know you're done for. <laughs> Imagine telling someone in 2007 and we... that LeBron James is going to be shooting <laughs> over 40% from three in 2020. Like, the thing, that's amazing because you've never seen LeBron do something like that. And it's just as, a, a, you know, a pe- LeBron fans would have loved, that's the moment where you're like, mm. that's why I'm a LeBron fan, because he can do that. He can turn around and, you know, n- before he even got the ball, he's standing in the yeah. corner. And, and he, he, did you bet. hear what he said? He makes the bet. He wins the he bet. He said, the bet's not complete until oh, you look a man was... in the eye. So he shot the shot and then turns around, yeah, looks yeah. right so, in the eye and said, yeah. bet, as the ball goes in. Yeah, so... That is just absolutely crazy, um, and that was a great moment in that game. And quickly, we'll get to uh, James Harden. There, we'll finish up. Denver got the win against Golden State, one hundred and fourteen to one hundred and four, and the Jazz got their win over Denver, one hundred and nine to one hundred and five. Quickly, um, speaking about James Harden, it was just something that I, I should have brought up before, but I will bring it up now. With that whole press conference after, and the way he handled that, you hear rumors about. James Harden's traits, and you hear it all the time when it comes to a team that's or just superstar not winning championships. You know, that's not well, yeah, and and your there's all those rumors, but you never hear the player come out and say, you know what, I want out, and I think this team is it's it's hmm. failed. it's not going to work here. I want out. I've never seen that happen before, and that was just there was a huge shock to me to see James Harden come out and say. What he said, and John Moore said, "Guys, he, that was calling out James Harden. Did you that hear Boogie's comments well, though? But... He turned yeah, around and said, Boogie, I didn't come in to play with James Harden. Like, I came in to play with John Wall.' Exactly, and that's the thing because you you hear like the way that those two other players responded to that with what uh, John Wall said. You could say you could that to me sort of thought. I thought he was saying." Guys aren't buying Yeah, not just Harden. You know, you're talking about guys like PJ Tucker, Eric Gordon. You know? But then all of a sudden Harden gets to his press conference and you just see that he's given up on the team. Yeah, and Boogie. He just says it straight. I have never seen a guy more brutally honest than Demarcus (laughs) Cousins. Like, I he is just He's one of those players where, like, it's spades a spade. He's, he's that type of guy, and, you know, I credit him for that. Um, so a lot of honesty there, tough love, and it was just, it was, wow. Like, I couldn't believe that. Yeah, that was, you know, that was a big moment where, uh, you know, you just got to kind of sit back and go, 
wow. <laughs> like, I've seen a couple bad press conferences in my yeah, lifetime. Like, there was actually an NHL player the other day from Philadelphia. I'll just quickly uh, get to the story quickly. Uh, there was one Philadelphia reporter, yeah. okay, who apparently always tries to spin, like, negative stories. And he's asked a question yeah. about, you know, has the COVID situation affected the team? And the guy turns around and says, oh. look, I would, I'm not even going to give you an answer because I know with you, you'll effing turn into some absolute BS and make the team look bad. So you're not even going to get an effing answer. That is, and you know that from what he just yeah. got, he would have turned that into something. Play his name. Player's name is the locker That's room the cancer. Thing, like, Anime the headline the next day. Dane Lillard had an interesting exactly. press conference um, a couple yeah. of weeks ago. I don't so know whether you saw it. On the day of the Harden trade, uh, no, I, there was a reporter that asked him a question about, you know, do you think you do you think you and CJ are the best backcourt in the league? And Dane turned around and said, I already saw your tweet. You didn't have us top five. <laughs> How great is that? Like, he does he, he, perfect answer, perfect answer to the reporter's question. That's great. But yeah, definitely mm. that Arden thing. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that at all. I thought he might stick it out until closer to the deadline. But man, January 12th, he decides, yeah. nah, nah, I've had enough. I'm out of here. Deuces. And then not even 24 hours later, like, he actually gets like, traded. Like, that just moves so quickly, too. Like, like it was like... No, we heard I heard it through my mic. Hear that, but it was so like... Here, too. <laughs> <laughs> I can't again, but it was just, yeah, out of nowhere. It just came, like, so you look at the offseason, and, then it, was and it was sort of like, and... you know, slow build-up. Is he going to get traded? Is he not going to get traded? You know, he's holding out a training camp. That means he's going to get traded. No, he reports a training camp. He's going to stay on rocket. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, 12 hours, he's gone. And there were little moments with, like, you know, him not turning up to training, as he said, and then, you know, him being at that nightclub and then, Sort of his certain responses to reporters was like, oh, and then that just that point where he went, oh, I've given up, and then like 24 hours later, oh, by the way, we haven't even off. talked about this, like crazy. And then that's um, playoffs context yet, exactly. And it, it's like because at the start, you were like, okay, it's this duo with it's a big three with no one players. else. Now it's like, okay, you're like, they're gonna be a big they're three, they're gonna be all right, hear me out for a second. So, first of all, let me just Point out, first game versus Orlando, okay? Obviously, the Nets did not have Kyrie, but the Magic were under strength too. No Jonathan Isaac, no Markel Fultz, no Evan Fournier. Harden and Durant needed to combine for 76 points and 20 assists just so they could win by seven. Like, do you see the issue with that, Sean? Exactly. Like, it's, it's, it's... The guys around him. It's not the fact you. Yeah, I mean, like you look at you look at a team like the Lakers, where AD. I let me just check. I don't even think Anthony Davis is averaging twenty points a game on the year. Like he's averaging twenty-two. AD is averaging twenty-two points a game. All right. LeBron James is averaging twenty-four points a game, and the Lakers are are currently eleven and three. 
Like, you know, that's a stark difference between those two teams. Exactly. And that's, you've got to have key Mm -hmm. role players around. That's my big issue for the Brooklyn Nets. And it'll be interesting to see, getting into O'Reilly's five now, uh, my five best players from the Fortnite plus a six-man going by position. All right. So... I've started with the man himself, Luka Doncic. He's averaging 28.3 points per game, 10.2 rebounds, and 9.4 assists. He's having one of those seasons yet again. He's in the you know contention for All-Star. Although Dallas, you know, does sit in the seventh seed in the West, and, and they've had, you know, they're six and six, so they have been they've had their fair share of losses, but they've had you know, their fair share of good wins. So I've been really, um, you know, really surprised, especially, you know, the last two weeks with how he's played. He had a great game against um, Charlotte. Um, and he had, a, he had a, obviously another great game, as we mentioned earlier on, between uh, – sorry, I'll just quickly bring that up. Another great game against Denver on the 8th of January. So he's really just doing a great job in terms of, you know, just doing what he has to do. Um, you know, he's scoring a lot, a heck of a lot of points. Like, he had 36 against Chicago um, last game. He had 28 against Milwaukee, uh, 34 against Charlotte. He had mm. 20 against Orlando and 38 against Denver. That is, like, that their MVP numbers. And then look at, like, terms of rebounds, 16, 10, 13, 10, 9, assist, 15, 13, 9, 10, 13, like, it's not like he's just putting points up. He's putting rebounds. He's putting assists up. He's doing it defensively, you know, two steals, four blocks. You know, like, he's getting the job done in every single area of that game. But you've got to see he, with that team, Dallas. Well, don't forget, they've also a lot of their key roles currently in quarantine, especially the big one, you know, Maxi Cleaver. Yeah, stretch four. And with no Seth Curry, obviously he's in he's in Philadelphia, you know. Yes, yeah, I think he started off the season so slow so, too. But yeah, that was a good thing. That's sorry, not a good thing. That was the thing I didn't have him in my you know team. Uh, my first Origins five, which I definitely like as the season started, I was like, I'm gonna have him. He's like, there's no doubt he's he's gonna be my point guard. And then he had that slow start, but he's really got to it in the last two weeks, and you know he's just. Doing what he—he's just doing everything, but they'll get there. The Mavericks will get there. Obviously, they've only got Pazinda back this week. They're building. They're building to be make potentially what? They're let me just check the standings. They're just one game or one and a half games back from the four seed. So they're going to build and they're going to make a push for that top four seed in the West. Hmm, yeah, never know. It's crazy. Finals contention crazy. Never know. So, exactly. And my shooting guard, Bradley Beal, thirty-four point nine points. He leads the league in points per game. He's got five point three rebounds and five assists per game. Although, again, it's a situation of, as a player, he's been doing everything, but his team hasn't been having the success and really Washington's been struggling. They're three and eight now. I think um, they're, what are they in the East? They're second last in the East. Yeah, three and eight. You know, it's not really going good for Bradley, for for the Washington Wizards. Well, don't forget Bill's missed the last few games because he's been quarantining as well. 
Exactly, but you look at, you know, just overall, I, I had to put him in there because he had 35 points last I'm on the 12th. Then he had, you know, 38, 38, 36. Like, that's – that's um, sorry, no, I'm reading minutes. Look at that. So, I'll say that again. It's 34 points. He had a 41-point game, 60-point hmm. game. It's crazy, man. Um, so he's definitely been a great player, and I had to put him there in terms of, you know, what he's done. Yeah. Not the last week, but the week before that. Um, Julius Randle, small forward. That's I had to go with him. The Knicks, they, they it's, it's not much. It's not much. Well, they're, they're not in the playoffs finally. yet. They probably won't be in the playoffs by season end. Their best player is Julius Randle. But let's bask in the yeah. glory of the Knicks winning basketball games for once. Exactly. Like, you know, yes, they're not. They're not in the they're not in the top eight, but like come on. It's better. And just than the first the, the first you know, team you see every week, the New York the, Knicks, the New York Knicks, always number thirty. Maybe now and then in number twenty nine or twenty eight. Yeah. No, like we're usually you read from thirty down. Yeah, you are with. You are with. You don't have to say you don't have to say a bit. We just know you are. Okay, all right. But, yeah, like, it's just great to see the Knicks. And the way he's been playing as a player, he's been a standout. He's averaging 22.9 points per game, 10.6 rebounds and 6.5 assists. Um, you know, he's had some great games. Um, offensively, the area he's re- really surprised me in his rebounds, you know, 12 last game, 6, 7, 5, and 10. That's great numbers there. And then points as well, you know, uh, 28, 30, 11, 29. Only had 20 last game against Boston, the win, sorry, today. Um, but yeah, he's been doing it, you know, just in, in all those areas, he's been pretty good defensively. Um, and he's just, he's been that star player and you can't ask much more from Julius Randle. Mm. And it's good to see the Knicks, um, have had some success to my power forward. Um, hey, it's the same guy. For race. Um, we both had, <laughs> he had, <laughs> what the hell? It's the same guy. Um, Demontis. Sabonis. Demontis. Um, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong. <laughs> Demontis. Sorry, your former, you know, okay, so I should know it. Demontis Sabonis, 21.7 points per game. He had uh, 12.8 rebounds and 5.8 assists. Rebounds, again, has been that area where I've been really impressed for him. You know, he's had great numbers, you know, 14, 15, 14, 11, and 22 Rebounds. That I'm pretty sure that's a record. Yet I mean, it's, Phoenix, um, I'll double check. I'm ninety-eight percent certain that's his new. That that is his career high now. So, okay, let me just make sure. On the game highs. Not the yeah, that was his career high. He actually tied it. He had twenty-two boards in a game last year versus the Clippers. So yeah, tied his career high. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely crazy in terms of what he's doing. Rebounds, points, he's getting great. 19, 23, 18, 28, and 28. Uh, that's pretty good in terms of that. And assists, he's been not, you know, not doing too bad. You know, Indiana's not too bad as a team in a whole. Um, they're looking yeah. at the fourth seed, and I'm doing very well, actually. You know, uh, eight, so they're building something pretty good there in, in Indiana. They're that hardworking, grit and grind type of team, and Sabonis is really leading the way. Mm, I mean, especially, um, you know, Oladipo being traded. Obviously, Oladipo was no longer the star of that team. It was Sabonis. And then you also had Miles Turner and Malcolm Brogdon as well. 
But Oladipo getting traded away for Levert. But now with Levert out for a little while, basically they're down to sort of like a mini big three. Exactly, and that's like that's the thing. Like you, you got you lose Oladipo. You don't have Levert. How do you go? You know, can Sabonis hold his own? And we've really seen. Yeah, well, when, the, in the don't forget TJ Warren's that injured right now. He'll come back. TJ Warren stepping off. Exactly. So, you know, I think we won't see them, admit, you know, stay in that top four. And, and this will be a team when you get to playoff time, like the if they're down like the sixth seed, it's one of those teams you put the asterisk on. Like, yeah, they haven't had the best regular season, but if they're fully healthy come playoff time, they could be a threat. Exactly. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how that works out. Uh, Nikola Jokic, 25.0 points per game. Um, so he's just, he's great. And then the thing he's I He's leading the league in assists assist. from the center position. Ball. Like, come on. He's that, exactly, exactly. Leading the league in assists. He's averaging 10.3 assists per game, 11.4 rebounds. He is, it's, it's amazing what he's done. But the thing again, it's, it's like we talked about with Doncic and Beal, um, you know, the, him as a player is getting if, success. If the Nuggets were a top four season in the West right now, He'd 100% be my pick for MVP. Right now, like for MVP, I'm leaning towards LeBron. Not yeah, trying to be biased, but, you know, Lakers, best record in the league. LeBron's one of the, probably the clutchest player in the NBA right now. I think he's like fourth in fourth quarter scoring. I'm pretty sure he's first in clutch scoring uh, per game. You know, but Jokic, it's going to be very hard to, you know, if the Nuggets yeah. find success, it's going to be very hard to knock him and you, to not get the MVP. Exactly. And you look at that, you know, like team in terms of success, they're six wins, seven losses. They're only now like three, four wins away from being three seed. Yeah. They're only four games out of three seed. Top, you know, and that's the thing. It's still early times so for all these teams that are, you know, struggling at the moment. You win a couple of games, you go on a stretch of three or four or five wins, bam, yeah. you're top four, you know, in your conference. And and that's that's the sort of beauty about the NBA there. My sixth man of the uh, of my own five to finish it up, Colin Sexton. 25.1 points per game. Um, not so good in rebounds and assists. 2.1 for rebounds, 3.5 for assists. But the thing I loved is for a young player like Colin Sexton, he stepped up big time. And he's shown such great leadership in terms of him and Darius Garland. I've loved what they've done in terms of the leadership they've shown um, to that Cleveland team. And it's paid off. You know, look at Cleveland at the moment. They're sitting, you know, as the, the seventh seed in the in the East. No one really expected to see that team you know, going as successful as they are. And, and as a player, Colin and, Sexton's been important. And you want to know what the craziest games. thing about this is? Sorry to cut you, you off, know, but you want to know what the craziest thing about Cleveland being a seven seed is? No. They've done all this without Kevin Love. He's only played two games this yeah. season. Exactly. You know, they had guys like Garland, Sexton, Drummond. They have been exceptional. And I was almost going to put Drummond, you know, he's leading the league in rebounds at the moment. I was going to put him as my mm. sixth man. Also, shout-out shout out to a former Laker, done, you know, Larry Nance Jr. He's shooting over 40% from three so far this season. Best figures of his career. I, I love Larry Nance Jr. And 
I don't. Larry Ness is he's starting as power forward, but when Kevin Love comes back, if he continues the way he's playing, mm. I could see him as a definite contention for the six man. Um, but yeah, Colin Sexton, twenty one points, twenty four. He's consistent. He's consistent. Twenty. Look, that, those are solid numbers. The Cavaliers. Exactly. He's he's consistent, and and the thing for the Cavaliers is, you know, they're a team with nothing to lose right now. You know, they're not. They haven't got these high expectations to make. You know, it's, it's weird because you look at those Cleveland teams and be that. The first time LeBron left, you know, the first year LeBron left, they were the worst team in the league. Yeah. They get Kyrie Irving in the draft, but then after that, he had they had all this pressure. You know, oh Kyrie Irving, he's going to take Cleveland back to the playoffs. He's going to win a ring. I mean, in Dan Gilbert's eyes, he was going to win a ring before LeBron James did. Uh you know. All these pressure on this Cavs team, which consistently folded. They were good to watch for a little while, but then they collapsed on the pressure again and again, just keep losing and losing. And now all of a sudden you look at this Cavs team, they're just having fun. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Nothing to lose. Young, you know, they got young guys in terms of Sexton Garland and Andre Drummond. Um sorry, I'm forgetting. Um well, uh, oh, oh, not Andre Drummond. Who, who was their Bob. rookie? That's bad. Okoro, Isaac Okoro, like, you know, they're a young team. They've got veterans, you know. It's a and this is just phase one of their rebuild. Leland's done there. I'm sure if they make the playoffs this year, they're going to be more than happy exactly. to, you know. Well, they won't make the playoffs this year. They'll 100% trade Andre Drummond at the deadline the way he's been playing. He's probably the big assassin on that team right now. He'll get them a fair yeah, few picks exactly. and maybe some younger players. Uh, they'll be more than happy if they end up doing well. Kevin Love, yeah, you can get traded. And... Well, that's the thing. Nah, the look, now that you have Jared Allen, you've got he's your big man of the future. Guy. You can afford to let both of them walk. Oh, that's actually... He'll be a great wing for them. They need Jared some wings. He'll be great for them. A great Exactly. They won the trade, so, in like, my opinion. Yeah, they, good, all four a, teams, like they've got a good they won the trade. Even though the Nets got James Harden, even though the Pistons got Karis LeVert, even though the Rockets picked up won. eight picks plus Oladipo, the Cavaliers won the trade because they ha- just had to give up a late lottery like, pick as well as Dante Exum to get Torian Prince and Jared Allen. And, and who they lost? Yeah, and, and they gave they? Um, I'm trying to think, Australian Fon Maker as well. I think he was... Yeah, yeah was I'm searching up on Twitter. I don't think he did. I don't think Maker was involved in that trade. I know Exum was. I don't think Maker was. Oh, they waived him. They released him. They released him. I, they, they released he, him and Yogi Ferrell as Paolo Rossa. Yeah, he wasn't involved in the trade. Yeah, so like... You look let's about let's talk, about, let's talk about the Cavaliers' big man situation that. right now. Uh, on their roster... Andre Drummond, Jared Allen, JaVale McGee, Norvell Pell, Marquise Bolden, Kevin Love, Larry Nance Jr., Lamar Stevens, and Dean Wade. That's a lot of big men. <laughs> and, like, you know, it's, a, it's crazy. Oh, Matt, that is crazy. That is, that is definitely going to be... Um, you know, something definitely we'll be talking about in the future. Um, so, yeah, very exciting. That rounds out my O'Reardon's five. Now to Sullivan's five. Take it through, Take us through your uh, most underrated right. players. This is a nice little mix of rookies and veterans. Okay, so point guard, 
Tyrese Halliburton of the Sacramento Kings backing up, you know, being the backup guard behind uh, De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald. Kings aren't doing well at all. I believe they are 14th in the West. Yep. Luke Walton on the hot seat. But Tyrese Halliburton, he had 14 points per game in a three-game stretch. He was just being super clutch, super consistent. He's cooled down a little bit there in basketball and definitely someone for the future to watch. Remember, teams let him slide to the to the 12th pick of the draft. Yeah. Like, I love Tyrese Halliburton. I looked at when I, when I looked over that draft class and, well, you know, analyzed it, mm. he was that player. Where I was like, he's a still a draft. You know, I always mm. try to pick still the draft. And I was like, it's Tyrese Halliburton. Last year was Tyler Hero. This year it's Tyrese, Tyrese Halliburton. I knew he'd slip. I knew teams would be like, oh, no, we're not going to pick you because, like, okay, well, he didn't have a March Madness big college and he didn't have a big March Madness. Didn't have a big college like, season. Got a, I, sorry, well, I do apologize. <laughs> not even. He didn't have a March Madness. No one had not a even the top five picks had a big March Madness. Like, <laughs> exactly. So, but the thing is, mm. you've got to look at what he did at Iowa State there. He was absolutely. Yeah, and then for shooting guard, I've gone with another rookie, Peyton Pritchard of the Boston Celtics. It pains me every time the Celtics get a good draft pick because that means they have to praise that fraud named Danny Ainge. But Peyton Pritchard's that guy. He came in, he wasn't even the best guy. Peyton Pritchard in the cut. They picked Aaron Nesmith 14th, but he's come in. Had to fill a hole on the bench with Kemba Walker out. Last five games, he was putting up 12 points per game on 46% shooting from three. Dropped 23 against Toronto. Yeah, I mean... And that what can I say? He's, he's a good player. Like, I'm not going to praise Boston too much, but Peyton Pritchard's the guy. Like, I, I you know, they need a guard to go along with Kemba Walker when Marcus Smart's on the bench. Well, they need a guard to go along with Marcus Smart when Kemba Walker's on the bench. I reckon Peyton Pritchard is that guy. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Brad Stevens uses him when everyone's healthy. Obviously, Kemba's back now playing minutes restriction. Jason Tatum's going to be coming back in the next few days. It's going to be interesting to see how it's all incorporated. I loved how in the game against Miami, the commentator, I don't know who it was, he was like talking up Peyton, Peyton Pritchard. He's like, Peyton Pritchard, he's the man. Peyton Pritchard, he's the dog. And then like, you know, the other commentator was just like, oh, mm. yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. And then he comes in the club <laughs> yeah. and makes that shot. And he was like, man, team commentators are the best thing you? to ever happen to America. Like they're so biased, but it's beautiful. <laughs> exactly. It's beautiful. <laughs> Because I love that, like the home team, and then you've got like the home team commentator, and then you've the got, only um, the only team the, that has bad commentators, commentator. from my experience, are the Pelicans. They are salty as hell. Yeah. Hang on a sec. Hang on a sec. Let oh, me pull I up know. something. Yeah, I let me pull up something. Up. Someone sent me this on Twitter the other day. Uh, let me pull it up. Like, the whole commentating is just, like, the whole – it's the whole thing is just, like, about the Pelicans. Like, they don't even talk about the other team. Like, you think it's just a 
like a podcast on an Apple no, podcast. Someone the Pelicans. That's what it's like. Someone sent me this. Um, <laughs> shit, if I can find it. Uh, hang on a second. If you, if you can, okay, I'll yeah. keep going. I'll try uh, and find it quickly. But my small forward. Okay. 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 Yeah, Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton. Stole it. <laughs> um, yeah, you stole it from me. But yeah, Chris Middleton, last season, he missed out on a 50-40-90 season by 0.3% field goal shooting. Okay? So this year, what does he do? He shoots 53-47-95 so far this season. It's the way to go, all right. And you know, right, yeah. It looks good. He looks great. And and that in terms of sorry, you know, you look at Milwaukee at the moment, top of the East, so they're just getting out and doing power forward. Demontis Sabonis. You already heard this from Mister O'Reilly up above. But you know, so far in the last five games, he's averaging twenty three and fifteen. Without shooting a single, or without, not shooting, without hitting a single three, he shot threes and missed, but without hitting a single three. Him and Ben Simmons would be like, you know, if you put them in a debate, <laughs> you have to. They'd be like, th- be threes are ruining basketball. No. You don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, they were like the old coaches. Like, it's cool to see them. Play. Go back to the you know traditional style of shooting. Exactly. You know you got to you know switch things up. You got to to fundamentals. Yeah. And I found the video by the way. You know Sabonis he's just been getting out. I found the video. Pelicans um, commentator. So this was a game, all right. You found the, the last video? year. Pistons versus Pelicans. One hundred three, one hundred three. Final seconds. Pistons playing for the last shot. I just want to have you guys listen to this, okay? Detroit Pistons won it and got what they wanted at the end of the game. Now they're saying we're going to look at the. Look at how stupid they are. So, Derek Rose is pulling up for the shot. They're commentating about how they're, you know, isolating the whole right side to Derek Rose. And you just hear the commentator saying the most bland voice possible. And it's a little mid-range shot, and he's got it. That's it. It's over. The Troy Pistons got what they wanted at the end of the game. <laughs> I love that. I love you see that. <laughs> I love that. You see that all the time with like commentators. They'll be like, if it's a close game, or like the opposite team gets a clutch shot, <laughs> they'll be like, oh, he hits it. Well, there and was the sixth commentator. I'm not going to pull up the video for this one. Wow. But the sixth commentator last year, Eric. Um, Joel Embiid and Eric Bledsoe got into a bit of a, you know, throwing match. Embiid threw the ball at Bledsoe. Bledsoe threw the ball back at Embiid's body. And the Sixers commented, it was like, that is the most savage act I've ever seen in a basketball court. He threw that ball straight at Embiid's head from 25 feet away. That is why you listen to our podcast. Oh, okay, that so let's move on to my center. Oh, that is great. 
which is Mark Gasol, right? <laughs> a lot of people, especially to me, turned around and said, oh, Gasol's such a bad sign. It would have been better to keep um, Dwight Howard available again. You know, he's washed. Mark Gasol is the most washed player. Now, did you know what he just did against Boston on Toronto? You know, he's going to get abused in the pick and roll. He's going to get absolutely murdered by any big that posts up on him. He's currently anchoring the best defense in the league. And him and AD combined are averaging more blocks per game than AD, Dwight, and JaVale combined averaged last season. And that is, that's like, when I'll have to apologize because I was like, that's a bad trade. Like, sorry, that's a bad move. They lost so too many of their good centers. Mm. And on offense, he's not averaging much. He's only averaging so far, five points a game and two assists a game. You look at those numbers and you think, you know, what's going on? This is a guy who just a couple of years ago, he was averaging 14 points a game in Memphis at the back end of his career. He has the lowest usage rate of his career so far. And he's doing the intangibles. He's letting LeBron move off the ball. You know, he's chilling on the free throw arc so Anthony Davis can get better post-up looks. He's just doing he's just doing those little things. You know, yeah, he's definitely doing sorry. Yeah, he's like, yeah, exactly, doing the little things and, and that's what he's My six man is another rookie, about, another Tyrese. Who's this time from the seventy six is Tyrese Maxey, the man that they refuse to trade for James Harden. Sounds weird to say that, but you take a look what this kid has done. It still doesn't make sense if we're being entirely fair <laughs> to leave him out and change, you know, the 2018 most valuable player. But last five games, he's averaged 19.4 points per game. And on his debut versus Denver, he dropped 39 and kept that game close when the Sixers only had seven available players. You know? Exactly. He is, and he's, he's going to be, you know, you look at the Sixers, and he, everyone he loves the club knows what the Sixers are. With Ben Simmons playing, teams are just going to collapse defensively. You know, it's not going to work unless you have shooters for Simmons to kick out to. Could Maxi be that guy down the end of the season? Could they run situational sets where they have Maxi, Tobias Harris, Seth Curry, and Joel Embiid sharing basketball court? It's a, it was such a good draft pick because they're a team that like just picked up a guy like Tyrus Maxey and that's mm. they just keep going because they've got good roster and you add a young mm. guy like Tyrus Maxey and you guys yeah. like Shake Shake Milton as well. Matisse Cardwell, like even though he hasn't had the best season, season now, so, so far, he's still young, he's still so, developing. Like, I'm just I'm loving that season. Mm, exactly. So it's going to be very interesting, Reese. Thank you for that. Uh, Sullivan's five. That is. Sort of wraps it up for the Orion's best five players of Fortnite and Sullivan five of the most underrated players who stood out in the last fortnight. Last segment um, of the podcast now. Some questions from you, the listeners, um, for Reese. We'll start ceiling. With, what is Colin Sexton's Sexton ceiling? So the ceiling. best, obviously, a ceiling is the best I don't know what that is. a player can reach. Sorry, it's sorry. a weird one with Sexton because he's sort of like I apologize. You look at point guards nowadays. You think they're there's three types of point guards. There's the Steph Currys that just run around and shoot threes. There's the Patrick Beverleys, which just run around and play defense. And there's the Rajon Rondos, which just run around and throw passes. Mm. But 
Sexton doesn't really fit into that mold. He's more of a throwback point guard who can hit the shot, but also loves to drive, doesn't pass too much, and is just, you know, a solid defender. You know, I can't really think of an NBA comparison for that. You know, it's a weird one. I think, you know, at his peak, he could be a good player. You know, right now he's averaging 25 points per game. That's not going to keep up for this season. I just think I could see him average that over a whole season. I would like to see him get his assists up to maybe about six or seven assists a game. Rebounds, you're not too worried about for a point guard. But at his peak, I could see him averaging, you know, a good 25 yeah. and seven over a season on a playoff team. If that makes sense. I definitely think, yeah, exactly. I definitely agree with that. Um, he's just like he's his own player. Um, so the next question for you is: Is the James Harden trade a repeat? I've heard that one a lot this season. I actually made a joke about that. I said, "Imagine being Billy King at home after you've been crucified for sending four first round picks just to watch Sean Mark send seven first round picks for one player." Uh, but look, this is very different to that Nets trade in 2013. The trade in 2013, they had a core of Deron Williams, Joe Johnson, and Brooke Lopez. So not the best, not the worst. They added onto that an aging duo of Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, and they wanted both of them straight away to be the main two guys. In this situation, James Harden's 31. He's, yes, he's starting to get on in age, but he's not at that point where he's plays at risk of falling off a cliff. And he doesn't have to be that main guy right away. Kevin Durant yeah. is there. You know, he dropped 42 points against Orlando. Uh, Kyrie Irving, when he comes back, he's going to take even more pressure off James Harden. He's even younger. Yeah, KD's only a couple years older too. He's just as young. There is one similarity I see, and that's the fact that all three of them are going to most likely be gone from Brooklyn by the time the picks that they owe to Houston end. There's no way I see them all sticking around for eight years. Like, let's just throw that out there, okay? Well, in eight years, like, in eight years Kevin Durant's going like to be 41. Kevin Durant Do you really see Kevin Durant playing until he's 41? No, exactly. Two. Two in Golden State. And that's the thing. Like, he won three championships there. He didn't stay around. Sorry, two Mm. Exactly. Yeah, he'll he'll play out this contract with Brooklyn and like, he'll see if it like worked or if it didn't work and if it didn't work he's going to go out and look for another team that's what Kevin Durant does and it's the year of the free market I cannot complain about that he is using his free will as an NBA player to do the best situation for himself and as long as his play on the court relates mm-hmm. to you know the praise he's receiving I'm not going to complain about which team he plays for Obviously, it starts with the Lakers fan to see a super team form just as we build the best team in the Uh, league. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Exactly. That's a great great answer there, Maurice. Um, The next question is, how big of a role will Jay Sean take former Sydney King? Having the new Uh, Rockets. Yeah, playing in Houston. He's been playing pretty well so far this season. Mm. He's going to have... A somewhat decent role. I think how many minutes he plays hinges on do the Rockets end up trading PJ Tucker. 
Obviously, Tucker is their signing power forward. You know, or he's their starting small forward, but he plays power forward minutes when Christian Wood's off the floor or when Demarcus Cousins gets ejected and Wood has to go to centre. Uh, if Tucker gets traded, I can't see any reason why Tate wouldn't be their go-to backup for Christian Wood. So he'll have a decent role on the Rockets. Obviously, they're not going to be a playoff team, and they're just going to be a lottery team even though they don't have a pick this year, which is kind of weird. But, well, they do have a pick this year, but it's Brooklyn's, not theirs. OKC fans are celebrating everywhere. Uh, I mean, yeah, you guys actually, real quick, Sean, you guys got the Rockets pick this year and next year and the year after. Sorry. And then you got the Clippers picks going forward, but we don't know about the Clippers yet. We can't say the Clippers are going to be in the doghouse yet. Because they got Paul George for five more years, and we don't know what's going to happen with Kawhi. Exactly, um, but you guys know for a fact the Rockets are going to be bad, and you got exactly. their picks. Um, yes, sorry. To this one and twenty twenty three, their pick swaps. But does that matter when you're getting a better pick? Yeah, and it's two teams that won't be going well quickly. Sean Tate. He's averaging 8.3 points per game, 4.3 rebounds, and 2.4 assists in his last... How many minutes per game, games real quick? played this season. He's played 11 games, so all of the games so far... He's averaging, in, in terms of minutes per game, mm. uh, he's I averaging if, I think if PJ Tucker does get traded, that'll probably so bump up to 28, maybe even generating- close to 30 every now and then. But yeah, he's getting reasonable playing time already, and... Mm. I think that role is only going to go up. He's definitely someone the Rockets are going to be looking at as, hey, we might have him around for a few years while we rebuild. Exactly. And we we mentioned it before. um, Yeah. The NBA, NBA you'd assume, you'd hope, has a plan in place for what happens with COVID. Obviously, like I said, they were expecting games to be postponed in the first Mm -hmm. half of the season. They understood... You know, someone's going to go and get COVID, and that's going to bring the league to a halt. The the last thing they can do is go back into a bubble. That costs way too much, and it would cripple the league for years to come. You'd have to have a lower salary cap. Players would have to agree to reduce their salaries. You'd have coaches without a job. You'd probably have players get cut. It would just be an absolute mess, which the league does not want, the teams do not want, and we the fans do not want either. They'll continue to tighten their restrictions real quick. Exactly. They will continue Um, to tighten their restrictions. We'll go from there. Eventually, we'll get to a point where, like the NFL, you know, you remember the NFL, they were week four, week five, COVID outbreaks everywhere, COVID central. Now it sort of turned down a little bit come playoff time because they continuously tinkered with the restrictions until they found something that fit. Exactly. Um, so only time will tell. But the last, uh, the second last question is: Do the Lakers need to make a trade to keep mm. the Nets acquired? Mm. It's definitely something I was thinking about. Because the Lakers, they got a couple of really good trade assets. Alex Caruso, in particular, his value is skyrocketing right now. Every three he mm. hits, that he's earning more and more money on his contract this offseason. So I don't know if the Lakers are able to match <laughs> any contract given to him. 
So they might look to trade him. And they got a couple more assets, guys like Taylor Horn and Tucker, guys like Kyle Kuzma, guys like Markeith Morris. Do I don't? Well, don't get too quick on... He, he's still been... When he has he played, he played really well. That game against the Rockets, he played really good. Yeah. Mm. His value is going to be up there. His value is going to be up there, especially since he's a restricted free agent. Teams can probably days. get him for cheap at the end of this offseason for you know a good four years. The question with the Lakers making a trade is which exactly. position do they trade for? They've already got the best small forward and the best power forward in the league. They have a reliable yeah. point guard in Dennis Schroeder. They have a reliable center in Marcus Gasol. They've got a bench power forward in Montrezl Harrell. What do they trade for? Do they trade for a good three-point shooter? Do they trade for more defense? Do they trade for a stretch big? You know, do they trade for another rebounder? Exactly, and that's the thing because you you think like a young guy like I would Tyrus Maxey if Philly's willing to explore trade deals for him, would you maybe send someone for Tyrus? Oh, at this Tyrus point, Maxey? I would say no. That's like, that's we don't need any more young shooters. Like. We've just, we've just gotten out of Kyle Kuzma. Uh, Kyle Kuzma's bad face. We don't need to go back into that anytime soon. It's going to be interesting to see what the Lakers do. I I don't think right now they're eleven and three. You know, best team in the league, best record in the league. Obviously, they haven't played Brooklyn yet. They haven't played Milwaukee yet. They've only had one game against the Clippers. They'll have three more this season. I don't think they have to make a trade yet. I think when the buyout market starts, you know, end of April, early May, they'll be active. They'll be signing players on those minimum deals. I just It's going to be interesting to see what they do, though. Obviously, Polink will have to make a decision soon. The trade deadline is slowly creeping up. March 21st is the trade deadline. But in what yeah. we trust, I'm sure he'll make the right move. It, it'll be Exactly. And just quickly, um, this uh, quick answer to the last question here. Who wins a seven-game series? I would go with 2013 Heat just because of what LeBron James did against the Warriors in 2016. Just before we go, right, I want I'm one question for you. I got a question for you. Heat, and that is it. Lou Dort, what is his ceiling? Go. Lou Dort, I've loved him. Yeah, he was playing for OKC Blue. We picked him up midway through last year. I think he was a a G League affiliate. Um, Yeah, so G League affiliate. He's coming to our roster at the moment, and he's been playing great. You know, he's been one of, um, you know, our best players. He's averaging... 12.8 12.8 points per game, 3.8 rebounds per game. Not too good in terms of assists. He's averaging 28 uh, minutes per game, and I've loved what he's done. He's had some great games in terms of last game. He had 21 versus Chicago. I think that is a season high for him. So, you know, I've loved what he's done. I think he'll definitely get better in terms of, you know, like developing as a player in terms of I would love for him to develop more of a, a playmaking ability. And, you know, he's a shooting guard, so rebounds in terms, you know, rebounds in that asset, you know, they're not that important. But I definitely love what he's been doing in the impact he's been having on such a young team because, you know, with this Thunder team, we're so young. We've got all this, you know, just we can play for anything. We've nothing to lose, and he's 
took a full advantage of that. He's come out and he's making a great impact on that team. I definitely, you know, think he could be a, a great key role player. Maybe even possibly later on in his career, if he really develops, if it could come a six man. So I'm just. I said. I'm great. I said earlier today, kind of tongue in cheek. But I said he could so, be a yeah. cross between um, 2018 Oladipo and 2015 Clay Thompson. Just sort of like the ultimate three and D player. Oh, I like that. That sounds yeah, and his defensive ability as well is great. Like he's been coming away with, I think in terms of. Um, well, remember he's still he locked down James Harden in the playoffs. So he's been doing a great job defensively. Um, exactly, you know, he did a yeah, did a great job. You remember that great job against James Harden in the playoffs. So he did a great job there, um, and yeah, so. That is uh, everything for today's podcast. A bit of a big one. There's a lot to get through in the last... Hopefully another night. big trade. Okay. I really enjoy you know, these big league changing trades. Hopefully we get another podcast. one. Exactly. Um, and that would be really good. If you haven't already checked out the Hoops and Buckets Instagram sports page, please do give it a follow, share it with your mates, and uh, listen to the podcast. Obviously, guys, share it with your mates again on Spotify. On Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, what else? We it's made on Anchor. It's available on Anchor. It's on Radio Public. It's everywhere. Even me on YouTube, if I put decided to put it up there. But yeah, thank you, Reese. Yeah, thanks on. for having me, Sean. It's, it's been obviously wonderful. The podcast we're getting better every week, and this was so you know a really good podcast. Enjoy it a lot, and yeah, I can't wait to do this tango with you again another fortnight. Exactly, and hopefully we can get uh, all those listen. We can get more listeners each week. Yeah, so, but it was fun. Thank you, and uh, that's a wrap.